0: Okay, thank you. So again, lovely to be with you all tonight, and welcome to the new people, too. So for those of you who've been coming for a while, you're aware that we've been, over the last few months, working our way through a series of teachings that are known as the Ten Parami. And these Parami are very beneficial qualities of heart and mind that we can develop in our daily life, not only as a support for our meditation practice, but also to help us live more skillfully in the world, to live with more ease, with more contentment, with more freedom. So last time I was here, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about the eighth of these 10 qualities, which is usually translated as resolution and determination, or resolve for short. And I spoke about how we need some degree of this resolve, this steady commitment, if we're going to maintain a regular meditation practice. And I think all of us have had that experience. There are times when we just need to go, yeah, okay, come on, just do it, just do it. We also need resolve. I gave an example of when we sign up for a retreat and we sign up with this big wave of inspiration and then as it gets closer, a little bit wobbly... Oh, yeah, my grandmother's health hasn't been so good lately, or got a deadline at work, and maybe it's not the right time. So, we need resolve to get through that wobble, to stay the course, as we say. And then I also touched into the bigger picture of some of the challenges we face. I talked about the climate crisis huge topic and pretty activating for many people. One it's a topic that brings up a lot of often difficult and painful inner responses. And so as I was reflecting on this list, I wondered if that's why perhaps the next of these parami on the list is actually kindness. So it goes resolve and then Kindness. So, just for context, a few weeks ago, I mentioned how, in the Buddha's teachings, they can these teachings can affect us in two different ways. They can act as confrontation, and they can act as consolation. And in fact, we need both of these dimensions of the teachings at different times. If the teachings were only confront, if the teachings were only confronting, we'd probably just shut down and disconnect which is often, for example, how we relate to the climate crisis. It's too much. Can't do it. That's often the response when we aren't able to find a more balanced approach to how we engage with it. So there's the confrontation aspect of the teachings that's intended to wake us up, to shake us out of our complacency. On the other hand, if the teachings were only consoling, we wouldn't grow we just stay comfortable, we'd stay complacent, we'd stay in our comfort zones, and we wouldn't develop the inner resources that help us to relate skillfully to life's challenges. So bringing these two into the context of the parami, we could say that resolve, (laughs) resolve is a powerful quality that helps us to stay with what's difficult, with what's painful, with what's challenging. But if resolve isn't, balanced by the other parami, it can become rigid, forceful, pushy, even domineering. And I don't know about you, but maybe you can think of people in your life who have, you could say, an overabundance of resolve, and their determination just pushes through at the expense of other people, at the expense of themselves. So that's an example of resolve being unbalanced. We talk about people beating their head against a brick wall. It's because they've got too much resolve, not enough wisdom, and also not enough kindness. So this is where we come to the ninth parami, which is the parami of metta or kindness. So we can think of kindness as being in the terrain of consolation. It consoles us, it helps to soften the resolve and to prevent it from hardening into rigidity. Now, of all of these parami, metta, I think, is probably the one you all are most familiar with because it's uh, also a specific form of meditation, similar to what we did just before. So most of you have done it, this kind of practice on retreat before. We've done it in this uh, evening sessions. And, of course, we had a couple of beautiful presentations on kindness by Claire and then by Jane very recently. So, Tonight, instead of talking about the more traditional way that kindness is taught and practiced, I wanted to explore it more as an energetic and embodied feeling. Because this makes it more something that we can keep tuning into throughout the day. And we can explore, well, what kind of conditions support us to be able to access kindness in the midst of our daily lives? (coughs) And so well, I wanted to do this because I think most of us, many of us live pretty full, busy, intense lives. So we might not have the time to every day sit down for 30 minutes, 45 minutes and do the traditional kindness practices. And sometimes those practices themselves can feel stressful <laughs> So what I'm trying to do is simplify this practice and focus on the energy of it. And in my own life, what I've discovered is that kindness pairs very nicely with rest, the capacity to rest. So I've been exploring in the guided meditation this invitation just to rest into kindness. I use the image of a warm bath in the meditation. So just that sense of ah, settling into it. Because I don't know about for any of you, but when I was taught metta, I thought it was something I had to make happen. And I try and make myself be kind and I try and conjure up warmth. And of course, that's counterproductive. It just shut me down. But if we think of kindness as being an aspect of rest, it becomes, I hope, a little more accessible. The other aspect, as I was exploring this, that I realized is that unless I'm well-rested, it's pretty hard to find kindness. Again, if you think in your own life, you're busy, you're hurried, you're harried, you're stressed. You don't have time to be kind to that person asking for money on the street, or you don't have time to let that person in, or whatever it is. We're, we're just too busy. And so cultivating rest as a support It helps to make kindness more available. So that was what I have been exploring on my own practice. I don't want to um, assume it's true for you. So I thought maybe just to take a couple of minutes now, just to invite you to bring to mind in your own experience a recent time when you did experience some kindness and then tune into what effect that had similar to what I invited you in the question just before, but in a more meditative way now. So I'll invite you just to close your eyes for a moment. And maybe just see if you can find an example either of receiving kindness or offering it to someone else. And as you know, bring that memory to mind, just stay with it for a few moments. Where you were, who you are with, what happened. And then bring your awareness more directly to your body. And just tune into any effects that this kindness might be having on your body right now. Maybe the breathing becomes a little deeper and fuller. Maybe there's a softening around the eyes or the jaw. Perhaps some tension in the shoulders relaxes a little. And perhaps there's an overall feeling of ease, of A little more well-being. The quality of rest. Just resting in that kindness. Just another moment. So at the end, I'll leave some time to just hear any reflections about that. If we have more time, we could stay with that feeling and rest in it. Because that resting in kindness has a really important role. It actually almost, I, I think of it as like imprinting it on our nervous system. The more we can keep dwelling in kindness, the easier it is to find it again. And in the language of the suttas, the Buddha's discourses, many of the words that are used in conjunction with metta are words like abiding and dwelling and pervading and saturating. So there's very much a sense that we want to stay in these beautiful heart qualities and rest there so that over time they become more and more our true home, you could say. And as I've been emphasizing, it works the other way too. It's much easier to access kindness from a state of rest than a state of busyness. And so, with that understanding, maybe that gives us more incentive to let ourselves rest more fully. And this is a whole practice in and of itself. And it's, to be fair, I think pretty counter cultural. <laughs> Because we, so much of us, live under this imperative to be constantly busy and productive and doing and achieving, getting and having and attaining and so on, the idea of not filling every moment (laughs) with the next task is pretty um, sadly radical. So you might experiment with giving yourself permission whenever you can find it. Just to take a moment, just to take three breaths before you go to the next thing. When you finish a phone call, don't immediately go to your email or whatever the next thing is. Just take a moment to register that thing is finished before we start the next thing. So taking what I call micro pauses throughout the day, it can really help slow down that forward momentum that just accumulates over the course of the day and tends to escalate stress. And this too is another kind of kindness. So looking for opportunities throughout the day just to pause and maybe in that pause to drop in the question mark, kind, kind, just to see, is it, is there kindness in there? Or am I just like leaning into the next thing with gritted teeth and intensity? And if we recognize, oh, not so kind, can we bring in a moment of relief, release, rest? And it might seem so almost trivial as to be not worth doing, but again in the discourses it says think not lightly of good, saying it will not come to me. Drop by drop is the water pot filled. Likewise the wise one, gathering it little by little, fills oneself with good. So we can think of these meta moments as just drop by drop, starting to change what often is that default orientation to hyper busyness and actually lack of self kindness. So sometimes when I'm teaching or offering these suggestions in other cultures, people can get quite reactive because the conditioning is so strong. And often when we do start to pause, what we find is all these voices that basically tell us we have to justify our very existence by doing, 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 producing, and so forth. So to be able to reclaim that capacity to simply be, again, is another form of kindness. The more we can rest, the more we can find kindness, the more we can rest in that kindness over time, it does become easier to access. So I think, in the spirit of kindness, I'll just finish there. Those are just a few reflections, but I really wanted to hear from any of you how this lands for you. Does it make sense? Does it resonate? Um, Does it not? And particularly any strategies that you might have for finding more moments of kindness through the day. So I'll leave it there. Thanks for your attention.